I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MLS Fantasy Insider, our episode 26, uh, our, what, part five of the MLS is back tournament fantasy takeaway series that we've been doing it's it's been going on forever it's almost over we're so happy you're you're with us this episode is brought to you by red bull arena home of every canadian team for the mls regular season uh oh wait no 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 uh actually uh, no this episode is brought to you by mlsfantasyboss.com and the amazing supporters of r slash fantasy MLS and no I did it again crap I did this last week too I'm so sorry guys I, I'm out of it this is this is also brought to you by our, our great Patreon supporters for MLS Fancy Insider um, you you guys are, are awesome and we're excited to have a special announcement for you in, in just a second I'm your host Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com though maybe not much longer if I can't get this intro right guys uh, and I'm... look MLS is back us eh, we're still kind of we're still in preseason form yeah, so that, that's right we, we we got more cobwebs during our doing our, our COVID mental health stuff uh, no I'm joined by my usual partners in fantasy Mr. Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle how are you fellas doing doing Good. well yeah, great. No, we'll polish this up for the intro. I mean, we've been kind of just winging it sometimes with these intros with, with random things going on, but uh, we're getting close. We're, we're getting so close. We have announcements of the regular season coming back. We have announcements of crazy shenanigans going on with Canadian teams. We have all sorts of ridiculous things going back. But before we get to all of that, we've got to talk about the MLS is back tournament. We are at the final game, and... Uh, Mike, I believe it ended up being as you and I predicted, but it's it's such a roller coaster. Um, before we get into some of our fantasy takeaways, just are you guys happy with the final of Portland versus Orlando? Yeah, I mean, uh, I really would have been happy regardless of the final. I think Minnesota played well. I think Philadelphia had, had an exciting tournament, and, and they're a young team. So, I mean, if it had been the complete opposite – I would have been happy. I don't think there was one of those. This 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 semifinal was not one who's like I really want to see that team in the final uh, and nothing else. Um, I thought we I thought all four semifinalists uh, deserved to be there and would have been fine either way. Uh, but I think Portland has had a really good tournament. Uh, I think Orlando has been the star of the tournament. You know, it's their home stadium uh, or home city, uh, and just kind of seeing what Oscar Bereja is doing and kind of finally unleashing Orlando mm-hmm. has been really mm-hmm. interesting to watch and what that can do uh, for the East is interesting. Uh, and then Portland, we all wanted to know what was going to happen with Larry taking a bench role uh, and Abobasi finally taking that striker role. So that's exciting for from a U.S. level. Um, so I, I think it's just it's going to be a good a good final. Um, there is a lot of poetry in the fact that the Portland Timbers, who's Sporters group made a real big noise before this tournament about not wanting this tournament to happen for them to make the finals against Orlando. There's, there's some MLS ism and karma in that final. And that's, it's just too delicious. 
especially Portland fans celebrate winning a tournament that they didn't want to happen in the first place. That's just, <laughs> I mean, this is a complete because MLS tournament. I mean, if nothing oh, yeah. else, this, oh, yeah. this tournament embodies because MLS Blaine, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed in the final. I didn't want to see Portland here at all. I, but we're, but the other, I mean, if you can put Philly in there, like it's just the other three teams in the quarterfinal haven't won a major MLS trophy. And I know this is debatable whether this is major or not, but everybody's building it up as a big thing. It's a trophy. They're going to count it for a double or a treble this year if that's yeah, how far it goes. I mean, we know that's going to happen. This is a big deal. It's probably going to replace the U.S. Open Cup this year. I don't see how that's going to happen. And so it's just, I wanted to see a new team lift a trophy, and I, I'm still hoping for that. But well, you, just, you can I, with Orlando. I know, I, and I said I'm still hoping for okay. that. But it's just I, I would have rather gone into be going into the final knowing a new team is going to lift a trophy this year that we haven't seen lift one before. And Philly being founded by the supporters and the supporter culture over there, I really wanted to see them in the final. Fair. And 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 Mike's got a great point. Like should Portland fans really celebrate the finals victory of a tournament they said was a bad idea, was morally wrong to try to do, dangerous for the players? I mean, I've, I've seen very little of from Portland fans. Now, I don't go out of my way to find their takes, but I've seen, I've seen very little of, well, MLS actually did this bubble really well despite everything we said ahead of time. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of shocked takes like of how well MLS has done coming out of Portland. So I just – you know they're going to celebrate a trophy if they get it, even though they have no business celebrating a trophy with the way most of them acted ahead of the tournament. And so I just wanted to see Philly get in there. Well, we have a Portland versus Orlando final, and I personally am rooting for Orlando because I, I think I made this as a, as a response comment on Twitter because I did I gave my public support on Twitter for Orlando. And the reason is simple. To all my Portland fans, I am I'm sorry, but I am a vindictive fan. <laughs> I have always been a vindictive fan, and whenever someone comes at me and says, "Don't you want the team who wins the tournament to be the team that beat your team, so you can say we were beaten by the best?" No, no, I don't. <laughs> I want revenge, and I want them to lose, and I want them to lose badly. So I am all for Portland. Sorry, I'm all for Portland losing to Orlando and getting some sweet, sweet revenge for my FC Cincinnati team. Uh, so, so that is where I'm at and why I am cheering for Orlando right now. Uh, so hats off and good luck to our good friend Derek uh, for for that win. Maybe it will bring some I've, happiness. I've got the so. Mickey Mouse shirt on in support of my Orlando fans, <laughs> mostly because giving them that tournament and watching Orlando and Atlanta fans argue about which is more the more important tournament, the MLS's back tournament or the Campiones Cup that Atlanta won, it's just going to be exciting. I, I just want to see the, <laughs> good, the yeah. stupid arguments for the stupid trophies on both sides. That will be good. That's what I want to see. That would be really good. I, I think I'm probably in the minority here with this opinion, but I really enjoyed this tournament overall and i would actually love to see something like this in the future even if this is just the way the season kicked off where you had some sort of group stage that counted as your regular games and then a little pause to have a few more weeks i mean maybe it goes a little bit further so we don't have like a round of 16 but i don't know but i would love to see 
a little tournament like this every year because I just thought it was fun. And it's like, maybe this yeah. replaces preseason or the preseason start. I don't know. Uh, whatever they want to do, but I really enjoyed this. You know what they should do? They they should use this to replace the games during the um, World Cup or oh, yeah. Gold Cup or whatever. We have like, you know, this like, oh, we're trying to do regular season games and this, like make it come to Orlando. That way you can have like families and stuff, you know, when it's not COVID time, you can have a fun tournament. You maybe count a few for the regular season games. And then you have something like a, a tournament that like with, you know, stakes or whatever for a trophy. And we can add another major trophy. England has a League Cup for reasons that no one really can explain. <laughs> we could just make MLS's back as like a MLS trophy and have like a fun trophy in the middle of the season. During we can showcase younger players. You can have meaningful games, have more development, and it'll be a lot of fun. Why not? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. Uh, but we digress. So we're going to talk about the the final two <clears throat> games before this cup. We're not going to do fantasy takeaways. Well, maybe we'll we'll sneak it in next episode, but uh, we're not really planning on on that because we can't do a whole episode about one game. Uh, so. We're going to talk about the the final four of the MLS's back tournament. First match being Philadelphia versus Portland. This one, as many of you likely know, ended in a 1-2 final in favor of Portland. Goals came from Jeremy Bobasi, assisted by Valeri. Uh, and a goal from Blanco, assisted by Zuparic and Valeri. And then the lone goal from Philadelphia came from Andrew Wooten. Um, the, the big controversy from this game and i'll let you guys come down on this has to be that that offsides call with i believe it was shabilko who uh <laughs> would have tied it two to two right there at the end called offsides by like i want to say inches but i don't even know if that's right that even seems too soccer, much too much soccer. to say inches uh, soccer photogrammetry or whatever on Twitter who does all the mock-ups. Um, I think his joke was toenails. Um, <laughs> it, uh, his model showed less than an inch. His model yeah. did show in the freeze frame that he could get, it was offside by less than an inch. And my take on offside less than an inch is how can an AR in real time make that call? How do you raise the flag in real time in the era of VAR? You you leave the flag down at less than an inch. Um, and, and I know I've, I've got a lot of response back from that. Well, half an inch, then it becomes an inch, then it becomes a foot, and you're just you're starting to rely on VAR. But the rules clearly state tie goes to the attacker. In real time with human judgment and a blink, less than an inch is a tie how do you how do you you can't see that on the far side of the field though i guess you and, could say in real time human judgment called this one offsides because he raised his flag yeah but it, it was way too close <laughs> I mean, but he that, was that's wrong what, is what that's, blaine says that's that's my that's my thing i just no no and, and and i agree with you overall with that uh this I've I've always been uh, lukewarm on on VAR because there there is a, a human element to refereeing and the game that that I appreciate and this and this captures that I mean this is the thing where the the ref would have called it off and it technically was perhaps should have 
actually had been given towards the attacker with the benefit of the doubt. Um, and this is the kind of thing that I'm like, oh, well, okay. I mean, we're just going to rely on it so much. Uh, it takes a little bit out. It takes a little bit away from me. Took a lot away from Philadelphia, so I feel bad about that. Even though technically, which is the best kind of correct, he was offsides. Toenails. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to for VAR to do anything, and we've kind of seen over this tournament that VAR hasn't been used as much. Um, I think because there's less cameras and the angles are kind of off. Mm-hmm. Um, even on this one, it was kind of an odd angle. I think for a quick VAR. And I mean, as you know, Blaine said, when you do the lines, like you might have been off by like something. So it's hard to say this clear and obvious video evidence that the call should be overturned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I generally agree with Blaine. You know, if it's close like that, you need to leave the flag down and, and give the tie to the attacker. But of course, there were some other big elements from this game. A fantasy takeaway uh, is that uh, Portland got its goals off of set plays, so some some excellent service still coming in from Valeri, as we expect. That's one of the reasons why he becomes such a premium and uh, highest scoring fantasy player of all time in the modern era. Uh, so goals came off those set plays. Very very important to to look at who's who are those set piece takers. Uh, but also botched PK from uh, Santos, I believe had the botch PK skied it over the goal from Philadelphia. So Philly had its chance as well during this game, but uh, it was it was good. This was a good game. We had 17 shots for Philly, 15 for Portland, 18 crosses for Philly, 9 for Portland, and then possession was 61-39 in favor of Philadelphia. The, the same fantasy players that you should be taking away from this are the same players we've been talking about the whole time. I mean, Shavilko is doing great on offense, getting a lot of chances. Montiero is doing great with providing service. Uh, Santos has had great moments. Uh, and then back on defense, you're looking at Elliott and Wagner are, are doing are doing well with generating bonus points. That could be helpful. Portland, again, Blanco is just, just tearing it up. Valeri is tearing it up. Valeri started this game, but was pulled out in the 70-something minute. I think he played 70 or 80 during he this went, game. He went almost 90. Did he go? Okay, so it was in the 80th. I knew he got pulled out near the end. Um, and then one or two games before this, he was actually subbed on to the field. So may keep an eye on Valeri some as the season starts. That could very well, though, have been influenced by uh, Orlando weather and just the stakes at certain points of this tournament. Um, Viafania has been one that we've talked about several times this tournament, doing very well with defensive stats. And then Zuparic on defense had some massive numbers as well. So a lot of the same players. This really just went to to emphasize and confirm what we've been talking about for the whole time, some of the carryover from last week. But it makes me real excited about Philly. Uh, continue to have faith in, in Portland choices. And, uh, yeah, what, did you guys watch this game? Yes, I did. Um, um Philly looks really good, but I think this game actually was a huge detractor for Philly in the fantasy realm. Really? Um, yes, they have no depth. Okay, no, fair. They made, they made two. They made two subs in this game, and neither one. Uh, Wooten got his first goal for in MLS. Like that's great, but other than that, Wooten hasn't done a whole lot coming in. Ilcino has been kind of the magic man for him. Yeah. Um. So so tune in, but. This is a game you're trailing two goals in the 70th minute. You have to throw everything at it. Uh, they bring on Wooten right after that. He does get a goal in the 85th. I mean, again, they could have tied it. It was a the, the narrow offside call. It, it worked, but 
we're in this tournament format and they're getting some breaks. What happens when we go back to the regular season? If they have no depth and no, and no good rotation and we're playing in a five-sub system, you're either going to see guys that are really, really good for fantasy options going 70, 80, 90 minutes regularly, or you are going to see a team that after about two, three weeks, if they'll run into the ground, you can't even rely on the, on the main attackers. So it, it, it's one of those we're going to have to watch in the regular season. Um, the lack of rotation really scares me. These guys are probably going to be hot for the first few weeks, but I would expect them to kind of cool off as tired legs get there unless they figure out some rotation pattern that's going to save the legs on these guys. What do you think about that, Mike? Um, I'm not as worried about Philly. Um, even after they went down 2-0, that, that's really when their chances started to come. Um, if you look at the expected goals, they actually had a higher. I think it's 2.36 to um, 1.24. Uh, according to American soccer analysis. So, uh, but most of that chance, the only real big chance that they got before was I think the PK that they skied. Um, so they were able to, they were able to generate chances afterwards. It was just, you know, a little too little too late. And maybe if the offside call uh, had gone their way, we would be talking a little differently. Um, I'm not as worried about the depth as Blaine is. I think depth is going to be an issue. Uh, and we'll talk about what we've seen from the schedule so far. I think everyone is going to struggle, um, even during this tournament. I, I don't think a lot of teams were able to, you know, really br take full advantage of all five attackers. Um, I mean, the Premier League voted down the five uh, sub rule pretty much because the smaller teams didn't want to just get absolutely bulldozed by the larger teams who have that capability. Because most teams don't uh, in the English Premier League, and that's absolutely true in a salary cap. Uh, and MLS. So it is, I mean, every team is going to struggle with depth going forward, but I'm not too worried uh, about Philly. To, to me, for them to be able to generate those kind of opportunities uh, against Portland when teams such as LAFC struggled to to create those same opportunities, even though they were down, is, is a positive. Is a positive. So I'm looking forward to Philly. I'm more interested in them. But I mean, the takeaway still has to be Portland. Uh, Blanco and Abobasi, they're cheap options. Uh, and under this new double game week format that we have, Valeri subbing on and off, if he's productive, you can take that gamble um, mm -hmm. more, much more comfortably than you could in a normal scenario where you, like, you really need him to start. Because as long as he gets one game and one goal in one of those games, you're, you're going to make your money back. So I, I think there's a lot to like from a fantasy perspective at a point. Yeah, yeah, if you look at Abobasi is a 5.9 million forward and then going down the midfield, I mean, Blanco is an 8.9 million midfielder compared to Valeri, who was 11.2. Uh, great take. You got to yeah. come back, Blaine? Um, yeah, two things. Uh, Zuparic is the other one that I'm just mm. all over right now. I think he's going to be a guy you can build around and run with. And I think we've got an answer this year for the Blanco versus Valeri debate, and I think it's Blanco hands down. I think he's been the more productive player. It's been on the rise. Um, I would expect his price and Valeri's price to flip-flop fairly short, shortly after the season comes back. But with Valeri not starting, I think that's I think that's the easy call now. If you're going to if you're picking a mid one midfielder, you're taking Blanco every time. Yeah, Zupark is a 6.9 million uh, defender, so not the cheapest guy, but uh, if you're going to have one or two pricey guys, he's he's been great and has done fantastic with some good bonus points. He's dominating headers. Yeah. 
offensive, defensive, both ways. It's just been fantastic. Yep. And then I think since we only got two games, I've got one more topic because I heard it on the I heard it on the broadcast for this one, and this is kind of a good one to talk about. Um, the rumor mill is circling that this was Brendan Aronson's last game with Philly. They think because we're in August, right? Euro teams are going to come in and give Philly an offer they can't refuse, and Philly wants the money to reinvest. This no depth thing that I talked about has got Philly fans up in arms, and they're they're saying Aronson is too good for this league. He is going to command too much money in a trade, and they want depth. They can go in and reinvest in this team. Do you guys think Aronson's gone? And if he is, what does that do to your outlook on Philly? Well, it depends on who they get. Uh, I I think that's that's going to be the maybe that's the cop out way. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we want to be a selling league. Philadelphia has some pieces to work with. Uh, if they think they can get a a good guy, then yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as plugged into the transfer rumor market because it generally just drives me nuts. <laughs> Truth. Um, but you know, it's such such a weird transfer market. I, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I will say I. I doubt in, from what I've seen in Pil- Philadelphia historically, that they can make a sale and then immediately turn it into depth. Mm-hmm. They may be able to turn it into depth in the next window, but I would I would definitely downgrade Philadelphia significantly if that trade happens because my general belief would be that they would not be able to replace it for the rest of the season, which may be a smart move overall. You know if. You know, you say, look, this is going to be a half season. We're not getting fans in the seats. We're, we're kind of a club that's struggling. We really want to maximize that when we can get fans in. We're kind of okay with taking the loss on this season if, if we can think we are going to be better whenever we can get fans back in the seat. That might make sense for you as a club. I'm not, you know, that might be the right decision to make overall. But as far as for the rest of this season, I would be skeptical that we would be seeing the same heights out of it. Get your money, talk about your success in that tournament, and then build for, for 2021. Unless they bring in Patrick Mullins, then they're then they're well, there, there you go. Uh, I will I will make one more comment about what you said, Blaine, with with depth. I think that's a very valid fantasy takeaway to to bring from here. I'm like Mike. I'm not as worried about Philadelphia. The a common question that we definitely get when when call ups happen or when a tournament comes up or when the players are injured is who's who's next, who's the backup, who's going to take the place, and will they get points? Uh, it's, it happens to every team, and I think your general takeaway from Philadelphia is. When, when the A players are there, I want the A players. And if the A players aren't there, well, I'm probably not going to look for who's the back. I'm going to go to the next team with A players yeah. to go for. And th- that's what fantasy turns into a lot, is we just look for the next A player to take unless the, the backup player has great potential and can be a great differential. Phil, Philly may not have those differentials. So I, I think that's a, a very valid takeaway. But And that's what I feel, too. If I mean, if Montiero's injured, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not going to go down to his replacement. I'm going to be looking for, yeah. for somebody else who's a playmaker. All right, Orlando versus Minnesota. This this was a good game. I thought. I, I guess it depends on who you. I don't know. I thought this was a fine game. Started kind of slow. Uh, Orlando wasn't able to get much, and then Nani was like, "Well, okay, I'm going to get a brace." There we go. It happened. Um, and then after that, Orlando set back a little bit, withstood some pressure from Minnesota, and they just couldn't get it done. So, I think that's a huge. Uh, take away a huge bonus for Orlando being able to withstand some pressure, though Minnesota's not the most offensive 
powered team. Uh, goals came from Nani, assisted by Jansen. Again from Nani, assisted by Mendez in the first half. Um, then uh, we had uh, Benji Mitchell getting one in the second half for or for Minnesota, assisted by Urso and Nani. Oh, sorry, for uh, for Orlando was the third one, assisted by Urso and Nani. And then Mason Toy got the lone goal for Minnesota, assisted by Kevin Molino, who's a name that we've talked about several times. Uh, during this tournament here. Uh, and I think that's a highlight I want to put right now. Kevin Molino came in to replace Ethan Finlay during during this game. And we talked some about Ethan Finlay at the beginning, about how he had had some spark. Maybe he was kind of getting back into his groove. And I think not. That's That's been the problem often with Ethan Finlay when he was at Columbus and now here at Minnesota is he's kind of had brief sparks but then it's not been consistent. I think Kevin Molino is the one that we need to be keeping an eye on, that he's done well in this tournament, and he's someone who I would hope to continue to do well fantasy-wise going forward for Minnesota, especially once they get um, Opara back to help solidify that defense more as well, giving him freedom to really go offensive. Uh, shots. Minnesota outshot Orlando. 7-17, to 17, outcrossed Orlando, 8-38, to 38, and possession was basically 50-50. So there's that sort of sitting back and absorbing in the second half. Um, on, on Orlando's side, Nani is the clear standout here. From this tournament, Nani is the guy from Orlando that, that you want. First name on your list, no problem. Uh, and then also Moutinho did really well on defense. Had some absolutely great numbers right there, if you want to look at an Orlando defender. On Minnesota, of course, Kevin Molino did very well. But also uh, Gregus. Again, Gregus has been a name that we've spoken of several times. He had some great uh, some cross numbers, some key passes. Uh, but so someone who could potentially get uh, bonus points right there as well. But Molino is the, the name for me that comes out of this. Uh, Mike Blaine, did you guys watch this one? Yeah, I, yeah. I watched this one. I, I was surprised by how thoroughly Orlando dominated this game. Um, I was expecting a little bit more of a back and forth, maybe, you know, kind of some runs and periods. Uh, but from what I could tell, Minnesota never really got in this game, even with the goal at the end. Um, you're absolutely right. This was the Nani show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've seen Orlando a few times in this tournament, and this, you know, and, and Nani's had like great moments, but he, he just absolutely dominated this game. Um, definitely something to watch. 10.5 um, as a midfielder. Uh, as far as the expected goals, uh, even with. Minnesota getting so many shots, um, they still lost the expected goals battle, um, 1.88 to 1.06, uh, which is really crazy considering Minnesota spent an entire half down to nothing trying to generate shots. And I, I think that's a credit to Oscar Barreja's defense. Yeah. Um, I think Orlando is going to be a much tougher out. It's, I think they're kind of a team where we maybe want to consider clean sheet hunting with them. Um, if, if, if what we see is going to translate over into the regular, regular season, uh, but it's definitely something to, to pay attention to. Yeah, and their defenders are all a, a little bit pricey. Again, um, they're they're usually around that 7.0 range. Um, I know Jansen's another one that, that uh, Orlando particularly has been big on. Didn't have as much as far as potential bonus point generation when I was looking at the stats for this for this game, but he has been a name we mentioned some before. Uh, but both of those guys are 7.0, so a little bit pricey. If you're clean sheet hunting, probably going to be a situation, just just like with Philly that we mentioned, uh, or Portland that we mentioned before, that you may grab one guy to kind of build your your defense around or a couple of, of big-name players and try to find some, some value there. Yep. 
Yeah, I saw um, I saw a little different. I saw Minnesota kind of come into this one late and try to get it. They did get the goal when Toy came on. They did start putting a lot more pressure on Orlando late. And Orlando's defense really stepped up to the task and did it. Um, Benji Michelle got the runner goal. It was a one of those garbage time, get it off of a clearance on a overloaded set piece and really just exploited the opening in the back. So um, the game was a little closer than the scoreline says. Um, but, man, Orlando's defense with Galese in the back at goal, in goal is just fantastic. Um, this has been a good defense, and they got a really, really good goalkeeper to back this up. And um, Gregush is, is such a monster on set pieces and can put the ball where he wants to. And Galatia was reading his reading most of those. Um, it, just, it, was, it was a good performance all the way around, and I'm, I'm impressed by the way Orlando's defense cleared it out, and it's a defense I'm going to be watching closely going through, going back into the regular season of fantasy. All right. Uh, any other general takeaways? I mean, I think both of these teams are going to have options going forward. Minnesota probably a bit more on the defensive side, though if Mason Toy does do well, he is a value at fantasy right now at 7.0. So if, if he gets some form behind him into the regular season, could be a great option right there. Though they do have Amaria, who is priced um, higher. I would... I would throw out I would I would say Gregush is probably your number one pick off of Minnesota week in yeah. and week out if you're if you're just if you're looking at a name that's going to be the first name you look at especially if you can't check rosters depending on how Molino does though yeah you, if you can't check rosters sure like, okay okay not, yeah um Gregush his set piece his corners his free kicks everything is so good so dangerous He's such a playmaker for this team, playing a little deeper. His bonus point potential is just going to be fantastic. Um, goals and assists last year came pretty regularly. He's not going to blow up your score sheet on that all the time, but he gets the bonus points to make up for it. If he can, if he can bag a goal and an assist every three games, plus his bonus points, he's going to be hitting like one of those bigger other pre- premium guys that – may get a goal goal two out of the three games. His bonus points are going to make up for the extra production or for the little bit lacking production week in and week out. So he's the name. Um, I think Molino is going to be your heavy hitter here. Mm-hmm. If he's starting, like, I, and I'm not detracting from that, but he's taking a bench roll. You're going to have to watch those lineups. You're going to have to play with this. Um, Gregush is your set and forget guy on this team. And I think you're going to want coverage pretty much every week from minnesota with the way they're playing right now and so it just keep that in mind uh, those are the two names but gregush is going to be the guy that when i'm busy is going to be in my lineup more often than not yeah and he is 9.3 with fantasy so pretty good steal didn't do much in the first game but came back with 17 points in the second game with a goal and two assists so mm-hmm. um and, and a handful of bonus points but yeah if he gets those bonus point numbers he had i think a lot of those crosses in, uh, yeah, in this last game. A, so some great... He had 11 crosses yeah. in this last game, and that yep. doesn't include a set-piece shots. Yep. All right, so those are the two games. Uh, it sets up the final of Orlando versus Portland. Should be should be interesting, to say the least. Go, Orlando. Uh, big takeaways, guys. Uh, second part of our, of our three-part show tonight. What are your final big takeaways from the MLS is back tournament? Um, 
I I have broken my takeaways down into the final four teams, uh, some general takeaways from the bracket that I liked, other just takeaways from the tournament, and then uh, flops and just no. Those are the sections I had. So um, with my final four teams, I am saying I think Orlando has some serious options going forward in fantasy, much more than I think I know I gave them at the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't know if they'd be a three-player team because I think so much is on nani but i have more faith in some of their defensive options so this could be an easy two-player team for me uh going forward minnesota also has good defensive options and the re-emergence of kevin molino is something that i am very happy to see uh, and blaine already spoke very well about gray goose right there uh philadelphia we spoke about earlier i think they look great for fantasy uh, good points about rotations but i think those core guys they have right there uh, some of the defensive options they just philly could be a three-player team easily i think mm-hmm. under, under the right situations uh and then portland you got to be shifting your focus fantasy wise on the blanco can't blame you for still going to valeri but blanco is just getting so much more involved with everything um that uh, with the lower price i think he has to be your first person to go with um those are from my final four which we already touched general about the teams that made it into the final bracket. What do you guys think? Um, what, or I any general fantasy takeaways you want to take? Yeah. Anything. I got, I got one general, uh, just random stat that was thrown out in the sure. last game. Um, Jeremy Abobasi has played in every single competitive game for Portland since 2018. Really? Since he got, since he got thrown into the start, or got really started to come on and play. So Savarese likes him. Huh. And, and, some of those have been sub roles. I mean, admittedly, he's not starting every game, but he, I, and I, I was shocked when I heard that because he's not been on our fantasy radar the whole time. He's not a guy we've been really high on consistently for the last few years, but he has played in every single competitive game for Savarese. Um, if he's not starting and you forget to put, pull him out of your lineup, you're probably going to get some points there. That may be bad for you because he may get the one point, 10 minute cameo. But it just something to keep an eye on. He is. I, I was shocked when I heard it. Hmm. Um. Uh. General, just general takeaways. Um. For the for the knockout or for the yeah for the knockout round teams. Um. Don't sleep on Vancouver as a as a slouch team. Uh. They made it here. They played Sporting strong. Um. The new goalkeeper is going to get a starting starting shout here this is going to be fantastic and they're going to get a lot of reinforcement they did this without three or four of their regular starters and they gave they gave sporting fits they made it to the knockout stage just don't don't think of vancouver as the punching bag they have been i just i have a good i have a hunch on this one that they're going to come out with cavallini and when they get montero back and some of these other names back in the in the group they're going to come out a whole lot stronger than we expect to begin with and don't fall for that trap. And then, Reed, I can't believe you didn't say it, but... Oh, I got more. I'm giving you guys a chance to talk. Yeah, Cincinnati's the other one. I just This is going to be a wild year. Cincinnati is no longer the punching bag. They work. They're going to bend but don't break defense. And what I see now is no really, really bad teams other than Atlanta and Chicago, like, mm, see, no, you and I, you and I have some disagreement here, but yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't, I don't see as many bad teams. I don't see as many gimme games, and especially if we're going to do this five subs thing the whole year, I, I just, I don't see as many gimme games where you're going to be, 
you may have some top heavy teams that really you can pick you can pick them against anybody who's kind of questionable but I don't think you're going to see the heavy mismatches every week and your your punching bag teams aren't really punching bags anymore. Uh, I'll throw out a couple more and then let Mike have have your shot. Uh, I still think even though they went off in the first round of the bracket, I still think Columbus is legit. Uh, they had a little bit of trouble when they hit their first real defensive team uh, before Cincinnati maybe got its its game together. Uh, but but Columbus is legit and easily has three player options that you can take from the fantasy season. Uh, I loved what I saw from San Jose. One of the biggest surprises for me during this tournament. Uh, the midfield has some great options right there. That's probably where I'd focus most of it. Um, maybe a two-player team at times, but I think it's really going to come down mostly between Erickson and Vaco for your primary fantasy targets. Uh, and LAFC. Uh, LAFC, so much of them looks like a team that was going to suffer from the same problem as Houston, just with all those options and where is it going to come from. But it's not going to be a problem because they're going to get Velo back and they're going to be fine. So... Um, it's it's they're going to be fun to watch, and I think you're going to be able to have a couple. If you if you want to load up on two attacking players, I think LAFC is going to be your first uh, go-to team right there. Uh, Mike, give you a chance before I rattle off some more. All right, um, I think I I don't know that I agree that there's not as many bad teams. I think LA Galaxy and Houston Dynamo are absolute punching bags. I'm picking against them every week. Their defenses are horrific. I watched them play in an important game for New York City, and they were hilariously bad. So I'm not picking <laughs> anyone from those teams. I'm picking against them. So I'm, I'm going to disagree a bit with Blaine. Um, what my, my takeaway is that I don't know that there's a great team in MLS this year mm. with an asterisk of maybe LAFC when they get Bella back, um, which we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens with them. But as far as like three-player teams, I, I think there's only three teams that I'm thinking that that's going to be. Okay. Um, Portland. LAFC and Columbus. I think those are the only teams that are really solid top to bottom. Um, Atlanta, we talked about their problems at nauseum. Mm -hmm. New York City doesn't look the same under its new coach. I don't trust them as much. I think Maxi Morales is probably your only consistent guy. I'm not going to go all in. Um, and and this is, as <clears throat> with the schedule, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, this is absolutely true. A team really needs to blow you away with what we're looking at with so many options and so many games and the new double game week rule, it's just really going to be hard to justify going all in on a team. Uh, and with the teams that we've seen in this tournament, just not looking as great or as spectacular. I think those are the only ones to go through Columbus and LAFC for their greatness and Portland for being good and being really good while being really cheap mm. uh, with Obasi and Blanco, as we talked about before. So, I think that gives you a little bit more flexibility with Portland, whereas a lot of the, you know, LAFC especially, they're just so much more expensive. Uh, even when we talked about Orlando, a lot of those guys in the back line that you would be looking for, they're just very pricey. Yeah. So that that's where I, I think that's my biggest takeaway is that there isn't as much. Um, I think we've talked about a lot of the other ones, you know, downgrades to Atlanta and, and some of those other teams that just don't look as strong and probably aren't going to get as much of an opportunity in the transfer window with the weirdness of this window to improve. So I try to get a, at least one takeaway from every team. So I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, so just to rattle off some more um, other general takes that I took. Uh, New York City FC has struggled and they may really be too expensive for the kind of performance you're going to get for them. So I, I don't really know uh, how heavy I'd lean on New York City FC right now. Uh, Toronto has uh, some good value options, uh, especially to accompany some of their premium players uh, with Piatti and Pozuelo 
right there. Uh, so uh, some good options there. Again, I agree with you, Mike. I don't know if it's a three-player team, uh, but could definitely have some some good go-to guys there. Sporty Kansas City, I think, has potential to be a three-player team. Uh, they did really well in this tournament at times, though they, they seem to kind of struggle at the third position often. It would be like, okay, you had some great midfield performances here and, and, a, and a great forward performance, and the defense didn't do so great. Or the other way around sometimes. It just... Go ahead, Blaine. I would just, you disagree. They are a, they, they a three-player team, uh, three team for you, but it's Polito, Polito, Kinda, and a defender. Whoever you take on the defensive side, um, and that's or or Melia. Like it's a, it's never going to be a three attacking team. It's going to be two guys, those two guys that are making all the plays, doing all the damage, and uh, a defender. Or it's going to be double up on defense when you've got it because they look they look good with Poonshed and Smith back back there right and Beasler right now is the odd man out um with the way this defense is playing that's your big takeaway for me um to watch that Beasler is not one of your premier guys right now and so this could be a, a two d two from defense and one attacker with you've got a couple of big names that you kind of can rely on to get things so they, I think they are a three a three-man team but the why the reason I say sometimes is because Polito didn't really get the goals that you want to see to be like that automatic go-to guy. I mean, Wano got three, Tyra got three, Santos got three, Nani got three during during the the regular part of the tournament. Yeah. So uh, well, not not quite as consistent. He's been That's getting fine. the assist and he's doing the setup. He's got he's going to get the passing bonus points, which aren't coming through in the stats. Right, right, now. right. That's true. But and I want to see more goals. I I want to see yeah. more goals. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. No, we want we want goals. I, I we just want goals. got a bonus point potential that's, there you go. that's not showing up. That's good. No, you make good points. Passing forwards are good fancy forwards. Uh, New England. We talked about this um, a week or two ago. Uh, they need uh, Carlos Heel, um, but I think they should be on your short list. Uh, he potentially is injured, so be careful about that. But I think New England should be on your short list. Oh, he's out. Oh, he's out. I didn't see that. Update. Yeah, he he got us. He had a surgery, so I he did, is out. I did out. see that. I did see that. Update. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I still think they should be on your short list, but. Definitely not as attractive without him. I did see that. I forgot about that. Uh, Colorado, I think, has a couple of great options to consider, uh, but they may mostly be a switcheroo kind of option for you, depending on how the rest of their season goes. Uh, Houston is still Houston. I think Mike put it very well right there. Uh, Unlike Blaine, I think Chicago has some promise. Uh, They didn't make it into the bracket stage, out of the group stage, but... But we got to see more from Chicago, and and I respect Chicago more after this tournament than I did going into them. However, I want to see a few more games from Chicago before I really start going with some of their players. Maybe one player out the gate, probably a switcheroo. But but I definitely have more fantasy respect for Chicago coming out of this tournament than I did going in. Um, the New York Red Bulls could have done better. That's that's my takeaway from them. There it was. They were just weird. It was just really weird to, to kind of watch them play. Teams that I think were clear flops. Uh, my note here verbatim says, all in capital, Atlanta, W2F, Joseph, new coach, goof. So so that's Atlanta. Uh, they're, they're a hard pass for me with without Joseph. It's just not. I, we'd have to see what happens with a new coach. Uh, I, but, but right now it's just I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, my comment Sorry to all my Seattle friends about Seattle. It's just Seattle. What are you doing? Um, they just they just didn't really seem to wake up. Kind of skirted through to get into the bracket. I, I felt like so. I'm I'm just not 
high on Seattle right now. They've got the options that should be doing fantasy-wise. You know Ladero's going to do well. You know some of the, Rui Diaz should be getting some points, but I don't, there's just a consistency problem there that I didn't really care for. I'd probably look for some other teams first. Um, LA Galaxy are bad. Mike said that well. Yep. I think as well. LA Galaxy are just bad. Um, DC United couldn't get their pieces to work well together. Uh, th- they have some options that make them tempting at times, but they're just not coming together to produce. And if that continues into fantasy in the regular season, not not so interested in that. I think Miami underperformed. We expected a lot more out of Miami in this tournament, and they just did not deliver. So uh, definitely holding back on that. And then my teams that are still saying just say no, Vancouver is at the top of that list for me. I understand that they did not have some players here, but um, I'm still just saying no. That one great, crazy performance by their goalkeeper is cool from a soccer point of view, but from a fantasy point of view, they're going to have to do a whole lot more for me to to make me want to pick one of those players over somebody like Valeri or Blanco or, or anybody else in, in the midfield section. I mean, if we're going to look at, at Nani or even people like Kay, or, I mean, there's so many other players I think are coming before Vancouver than that. I, I'm a hard no on Montreal right now. Um, they're really good against Toronto, but other than that, you don't know what's going to happen with Montreal. I'm a no against RSL. Uh, I was sort of surprised they made it this far in the tournament, and there just there's no consistency there outside. Um, uh, and I've just gone blank for their one midfield player rusnak there we go yes it just it just completely left me it just left me and then i i ended with cincinnati that's what rusnak does a lot of the that's right right. (laughs) uh i think cincinnati was better than people expected blaine i think you said that well uh i don't think they'll necessarily be a punching bag this year but it's still a team that i'm just going to say no to as far as as fantasy wise there's there's still rebuilding that needs to be done uh and then of course nashville and dallas did not feature in this tournament so no takeaways from them. Uh, that's sort of uh, every team right there, just so we have a touch of fantasy for everyone. I think I got everybody. I don't think I left anybody yeah. out. There we go. Uh, Charlotte has a cool crest, but a, a lame name. And yep. uh, soon we'll hear more about FC St. Louis SC United Real. Real <laughs> FC St. Louis SC United. My fantasy team name for a long time was Real New Orleans City FC. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and now the final topic of discussion for tonight. Can I throw out one fantasy takeaway from Dallas? Sure. Which is a weird one because they didn't feature. Uh, Um, Their keeper's gone? Their their keeper is gone, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, Jesse Gonzalez's contract was terminated because of domestic violence um, issues. Um, For fantasy... I've looked at the blogs to assume that they're going to bring another keeper in, but until they do, um, they don't have a keeper price above 4.5. So that's a terrific switcheroo option that, you know, um, mm-hmm. we haven't seen them in action, but I think we know enough of FC Dallas and their history to know that they're at least a decent defensive option. So cheap keepers, if you need budget, that's going to be something to pay attention to. So, and we'll get to see them coming up, which probably leads into Reed's next point. Yes. <laughs> My next point. I, I had- I had one more to throw out with the I had a segue of... there, Blade. <laughs> Dang I'm sorry. It. Oh, I'm so I just leave it to the sporting case of C-Dive to prevent the flow. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the 80th minute, in the 89th minute, Blaine. Um, I I love I love the way this tournament went down, and I we got to see a ton of kids play, 
we got to see the young guys play. Um, this has been huge for us, but the big, huge takeaway I see here is three forwards in Otteroos and Switcheroos is going to be massive for you coming out of this, and we have the money to do it. There are, of all the forwards that were are priced $10 million and above, the only two I think we can rely on are Bella and Rossi. Um, I threw Polito out of there. He's at $12 million. It's going to be tough to justify $12 million without the goals. I know I like his bonus points. I think he's going to be solid. But I can understand having trouble justifying $12 million without the goals. Um, Andrasik is at a flat 10, and we didn't get to see anything f- from him in this tournament for Dallas. But the names that we saw really lighten up the score sheets in, in this tournament, like Akinola is – fighting for Josie, who's at an 8.9 right now, but that's he's cheap. We've got all these cheap op- options that really showed up in this tournament that are going to be there. We, we're going to have a lot of options, a lot of play, but this is a great time with the big budget that we started with to run a lot of Aru's, and um, you got a guy on a Kenny, I don't even know where he's at on the list, but Bradley Wright Phillips just tore it up, and I think I just have it sorted by that. Um, he's at he's at six million. There he is. I scrolled through and found him. He's at six million right now. Um, there, the cheap options are there. Mason Toy looked really good. Um, if Seattle can't, if Rui Diaz isn't playing well, um, Will Bruins there at five point five. Uh, Got to throw him out there for either. Um, I think did Bruin have more goals this tournament than Rui Diaz? Did Rui Diaz even score? I, maybe, I maybe. Did, I mean. The fact that we even Will have to Bruin ask that scored. question, though, that's, that's really we know Will Bruin scored. We have to ask if Rui Diaz scored. Um, Bo was another one. Like we're, we're talking about some big names, some guys we've counted on in the past. They're, they just didn't show up. Look at the kids. Um, look at who's out there and run run your arus on your forwards because there's a lot of options and a lot of cheap options you can stack on your bench and potentially get some massive points out of because they're playing and they're playing well. Bo is another forward, though, who can get some key passes and stuff, too, though. So Mm -hmm. a bit more fancy viability. All right. A little bit rough of a transition, but the transition to our third segment of the show, which is probably why some of you are listening to the podcast right now, is because we are talking about the return of the MLS regular season and what that means for the official MLS fantasy game. And I've had a couple of questions, at least, about this already through Twitter. Thanks for you, uh, to those who have reached out just to ask. Uh, I'll tell everybody now the same thing I've told them is, uh, I don't know. That's that's the short of it. Um, with the announcement of the return of the regular season on the 20th with the New York City Derby, um, we're hoping. We're hoping that that means we're going to see fantasy come back. Uh, we've, we've heard... James talk about that on the on the show. What what the hope is uh, with with the game in the future, uh, potential changes. But but right now, don't know for sure. We've reached out to our contacts at MLS to see if we can find out some more details. Uh, but right now, I don't have anything to report about that. However, that means we can do our second most enjoyable activity with the MLS fantasy season, and that is speculation about the MLS fantasy season. Uh, in particular, we're going to look at the schedule because we're seeing some of the schedule and what that might mean for whatever. If we get fantasy back, I feel like we are. I mean, it, it looks like we are. We're hoping we are. We hope we are. Um, we're going to pretend we are going forward. So, um, 
Otherwise, this podcast is gonna get really. Crazy. I know we're, we're just gonna we're gonna. I don't know what's gonna happen. We're gonna do crazy stuff after this. If you didn't think that we were doing crazy stuff already, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust out my old Star Wars CCG cards and we'll just start doing some random stuff there or play villainous like we always threaten to do. Um, uh, but yeah, but we got the schedule, and so we're gonna talk about some of the potential fantasy takeaways we can get from the schedule right now. Mike, I'm throwing to you because I know you've looked at this already. Yeah, I mean, I. The main thing from the schedule is just insanity. Uh, lots of double game weeks coming up. Uh, lots of weird. Like in the first week uh, alone, there's games on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday. So I don't know. How, one of the biggest questions I think this is going to be facing James and Ben is how do you break up the weeks? Um, because there's a lot of condenses, especially in this in this first week, because it's it's almost like a Heineken rivalry week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's kind of what it is going to be. I don't know if they've officially announced that yet. It wasn't clear to me in the announcement. Um, but that's the same kind of schedule where you have games all every, every time, starting with the New York Derby uh, and going forward. I, I think there's a Cascadia Cup in there. Um, there's El Trafico. A, a, a lot of big, juicy matchups. Uh, are going to happen in that first week. But, I mean, going forward, there's going to be tons of double game weeks. And so one of the other reasons I'd said I don't know that I see a whole lot of three-player te- teams because when you have that many games and with the no double game week rule, it's really going to be tough to justify going all in on one team because there's so many good matchups that you're going to have to choose. So that's going to be important. The other part is, isn't necessarily going to be something you find in the schedule. But it wasn't kind of made real clear in the announcement, but came out afterwards in regards to New York City's stadium situation. Um, it was originally reported that New York City was going to host all of its games at its training camp, but they were not able to do that because MLS mandated that all games have to happen at night. And the reason for that is because MLS wants teams to basically fly in the day of, go to the game, play the game, get on a bus to the charter plane out. So there's two main takeaways that's going to change the way MLS teams travel. One, it's all charters now. Um, that was something we talked about um, in back in March about how it was nice and MLS teams were getting an expansion of the charter system. But because of COVID, now everything is going to be chartered. But on the other hand, they're always flying in. So we're not expecting a whole lot of cross-country matches with the condensed ski- schedule and all that. But still... If you're flying in, even on our charter bus, our charter plane, that's a tough ask. So I think there's going to be more emphasis on home teams going forward just because not having to take a flight the same day is going to be such an advantage. We have seen teams have success. It's not, you know, absolute. But I think generally speaking, you're going to want to pick the home teams. We've always said that, but I think it's going to be really important this season. Um, and then just trying to manage this schedule is going to be very difficult. We talked about it, the, the depth to these players. You're going to see rotation. I think we're going to be really happy that we have the double game rule because trying to p- figure out which players we're going to play two games in this system is going to be an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Um, but, yeah, so I think one other thing for people who aren't as familiar, MLS has not announced the entirety of the regular season. Um they just announced a section where basically teams in your region are going to play. So New York City is only going to be playing teams that are close to it, like Columbus, New York. Um, one other big thing that I don't think has been officially announced yet, 
but the Canadian teams are basically going to have to borrow um, stadiums in the United States because the Canadian government will not allow teams to cross the border. So Toronto FC, like New York City, is going to be making its home at Red Bull Arena, hence the brought to you by at the top of the show. Um, I have, I'm not, I haven't seen what Vancouver and Montreal um, are, are supposed to do. I don't know if y'all have seen what they're going to be doing yet, but um, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be doing something similar. It wouldn't surprise me if Vancouver ended up in Portland. Um, I, I would say Seattle, except Seattle is also sharing its stadium with an NFL team. So I don't know about the logistics there, uh, but I expect Montreal will probably be doing something similar, maybe with Minnesota, maybe with Chicago. Although Chicago's playing in Soldier Field, or they're supposed to this year. <laughs> I don't know where they actually are playing games. Maybe, maybe going back to Bridgefield might not be a bad idea for this season. But um, anyway, th- there's a lot of difficulties. But I think the main fantasy takeaways are pick home teams. Um, and it's going to be really difficult to pick from one team alone with just so many games that you're going to have in every single week. Yeah, and don't forget, with the double game week, the new system that we're assuming is going to stay in, in effect is uh, you have two games and you're only going to get the highest score from one game. So that potentially means if you miss one of the double games, you can still get points from a player. So it, it gives you a lot of options. You may be able to bring in a guy who hasn't played yet who can give you uh, points still. So you can get a second shot at a guy. If you miss a deadline, you can still bring somebody in for a different game. So it's it's going to be interesting navigating all of the double game weeks that could potentially be coming up. But Mike makes some great points. We don't know what the fantasy week's going to be. Um, is it going to be from Thursday to Thursday? Is it going to stop on Sunday and go with Monday? Are we potentially going to just have to drop a couple of games every now and then to give, not not necessarily the players time, but to give the system and the admins time to get everything updated and to double check points with opt-in and make sure that the scores are correct. Maybe we'll even see some weeks that are longer than a week. I have no idea, but we're hoping that when we get in touch with someone at MLS, they'll come on the show and talk to us. Um, it, it could just be wild. We're still expecting... Well, Blaine, I'll kick this down to you because you were mentioning before the show that, that James had been on and talked about some things. So what are a few of the, the comments James mentioned before that you're hoping we can get some clarification on? Um, I don't know that there's much we can get clarification on. Um, I know that... What is going on? Yeah. Um, I know he said the fantasy game is going to be back. Like I, He said that for after whatever the tournament ended up being, he said the fantasy game was coming back with the regular season. So I'm expecting an announcement soon on that, just taking James at his word from that. Um, But I do know from conversations that the big reason why we didn't have fantasy for MLS's back is because of the Monday and Tuesday games. Yeah. They were around the clock, uh, around the week. And we're going right back into this regular season with Monday and Tuesday games. It's a legit, logistical nightmare for them to have to update player prices one evening and have the game turn around and you have to make your predictions in the time from the time it takes to get the player pricings updated until we go we go live until roster lock um typically we get end of game sunday evening sometime and they do all of their processing and score adjustments for stats and everything and then price adjustments by 8 or 9 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. 
well, if they do that, we're going to be playing it the next day, and I want to know what they're going to do, if there's going to be a grace period, um, if they could potentially open up the week a little early, pending price changes. Like it's, it's, But that doesn't really work because then you could have an invalidated roster because you're over budget because somebody went up 0.1 more than you expected them to. So it's going to be – that's my big question yeah. for James is how are we going to do this breakup and what are we going to do with that? And I just, it was the exact reason why we couldn't do it before, but they're go, we're going to have to do it now. So and that's not true. It, I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen. It could be that maybe, as Mike said, this sort of rivalry week may not be part of the of the season. This, this could be yeah. like, hey, the season's back. We're going to make an announcement. Once this madness is over, it's going to come. To, like, like Mike said, we haven't seen the full schedule yeah so this could be a buffer week i mean we don't know and that's those are the questions that we're asking right now to try to get some clarification on what's going to happen but but we're hopeful we are so hopeful <laughs> right now all right so that means if if all goes as we hope next week we could be making predictions so everyone needs to be paying attention to what's going on picks. but more important i know picks back to picks maybe i'll get some of these guys to write some articles again it's nuts uh, but the special announcement for those of you who have stayed with us, uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, then uh, I sent out a little poll at the beginning with some mixed results, but enough to make us want to go forward with this. Tomorrow we're going to be having a special Zoom room for our Patreon supporters. Uh, it's going to be a watch party. Uh, Mike Blaine and I are all going to be there unless other life things take us away at some point, uh, but we are going to be there. We're going to have a watch party for the final game of the MLS is back tournament uh you can expect an email about that and uh, with information to let you know and it should be a lot of fun so if you don't want to come that's fine we're still doing the podcast so i hope you are enjoying those uh, but we're going to have a watch party for those of you who want to join so it should be a lot of fun we'll just watch the game together hang out maybe we'll make it to borrow a phrase from etr a a brown liquor special um, mm. though we will not be uh prejudiced if you want to bring clear liquor or amber liquor or uh blue or green or whatever kind of liquor you want to bring i don't know we could see whatever sort of potent or non-potent potable that you care to enjoy in during a soccer game you're welcome to have that so uh fun news we we would want to do something like that for a little while blaine and mike were talking about it last week off off air so we're gonna make it happen it should be fun uh any final comments from you guys before we close out just ready to start making awful picks again. <laughs> <laughs> and blaming it on your son. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And Blaine blames it on Lily. That's what's going to happen. No, I mean, my son make, made better picks than I. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Your son was good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to <clears throat> us. Fingers crossed that we get back to uh, the regular game next week. But we will keep you up to date on anything new that happens with that. And if we get some from MLS, we will have them here to tell you about it. So thank you very much for listening tonight. And... Good luck.